0: Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to QalamCampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast, benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide, and let's all of us come together, invest into our Sadaqah jariya, and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan, wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast.
1: All right, bismillah walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us in the month of Sha'ban and allow us to reach the blessed month of Ramadan insha'Allah um, We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the barakah of the knowledge that we learn and give us the ability to act upon whatever it is that we learn here tonight insha'Allah ta'ala Because um, true knowledge is knowledge that we're able to imp- implement within our lives If we just hear it the Qur'an gives an example of a, of a donkey just carrying books, gives the example of a donkey just carrying books. The purpose of the knowledge is to implement, not just to, to have it on your shelves or have it in your mind. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us beneficial knowledge insha'Allah ta'ala. Okay, so we're going to pick up right where we left off with Imam Muhasibi. In um, alhamdulillah, he's dropping beautiful gems on us. Um, just to uh, help us grow in our spiritual development. So I'm going to start right where we left off, inshallah, and it might actually overlap with a little bit of what we covered last week. So Bismillah. Imam Muhasibi he says, tubdi asraraka li kullin nas." Imam Muhasibi says the next bit of advice is, "Lataubdi asraraka li kullin nas." Do not put all of your secrets out there for all people. Do not put all of your secrets out there for all people to see. Now, Imam Muhasibi is writing this at a time well before social media. He couldn't have imagined how much of our private lives are public. How much of things that are supposed to be inside are outside. But I think what we can learn from this is Imam Muhasibi is saying it's okay for you to have personal matters that you don't want everyone to know about. Like not everything of my life or your life needs to be on display for everyone. No, it's totally fine. SubhanAllah, if we look at Fatima, Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, she was the most beloved daughter of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He loved her so much, subhanAllah. Whenever he would leave for a journey, the last one he would leave to see was her. Whenever he would come back, she's the first one that he would see. When he was passing away, وسلم, he asked for Fatima to be brought close. He asked her, bring, bring Fatima, bring Fatima. When Fatima تعالى, came close, he told her, come here, I need to tell you something. And he whispered something in her ear. He whispered something. And when he whispered it, she began to cry right away. And she backs up for a little bit and she's crying, but then he calls her again. And he's like, he whispers again into her ear and she starts to laugh. Now, people immediately asked her right then, what did he say? And she's like, no, no, no. I can't give you the secret of the prophet. Meaning it's okay to have something personal. That's just between me and my dad. I don't need to share that with everyone. And unfortunately, the way we are now, man, it's, it, we really have to understand, like, you don't need validation from the entire world in order for you to be happy with something. You don't need the approval from everyone to be happy with what you have. It wasn't until the prophet passed away and people asked her later, they're like, what did he say? What did he say? She's like, okay, now I'll tell you. And she's like, well, when he, when he, when I, first time I leaned in, he said that, oh, Fatima, daughter, I'm passing away. And so she cried. And then when he called me back, he said, but you're going to be the first one to meet me in the akhirah. And without a shadow of a doubt, within six months she passed away. I mean, that's how hearts are, right? When that love is there, how many people do you see when one, the husband passes away, she passes away. The wife passes away, a little while later, the husband passes away. Hearts are that closely combined, subhanAllah. So he says, Do not put all of your business out there. Do not put all of your secrets out there. It's okay. Imam Malik, subhanAllah, Imam Malik. Um, there was a few days he didn't come to Salato and Fajr. And you know how the Muslim community can be mad nosy, right? No? Nah? Oh, okay. It's like, where, where y'all come? What planet y'all live on, yo? So, so he didn't come to Fajr. And you know, people be like, yo, Iman, where you at? And he was like, some things you don't need to ask. Some things you don't need to ask. And I don't need to tell. I mean, I have my personal business. I, I can't, I, I don't want to put that out there for for you I can keep that to myself and so I think it's so important for us to understand that in our deen it's okay to have your private life that's between you your family and it's okay to have a public life as well and that's okay for people to see but to expect everyone to have every aspect of their life to be public nah man this is subhanallah don't put all of your business out on the street don't put all your personal affairs out on the street keep some stuff to yourself that's just between you and Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, Um, And so, uh, SubhanAllah, especially when it comes to our good deeds, you actually want a bunch of good deeds that you haven't shared with anyone, that even wifey don't know about. On the Yawm Al-Qiyamah, you'd be like, yo, when was he praying to Hajj? Like, yo, honey, I got you. I was getting up without you even knowing. So it's beautiful to have secrets that are just between you and Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, and no one knows about them. And this is something we've completely lost that I need some deeds that are only between me and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. طيب. So the next thing he says, So do not put all of your business out there. You can have your own secrets, keep them to yourself and don't feel that you need acceptance from everyone. You have to put all of your business out there. He says, and do not go beyond a person's level. So, this is an interesting one. What does that mean? Do not go beyond a the person, their level. So, the, the Prophet ﷺ taught us in another hadith that will really get us to understand this. He said, like, treat people at their level. Treat people at their level. What does this mean? What it means is we need to recognize that not all people are the same, nor should we treat them all the same. Now, that doesn't mean we mistreat anyone. But at the same time, let me give an example. In Surah Al Hujrat, we were just studying this in Qalam. The Prophet, there's a verse that says, It says, O you who believe, don't raise your voice above the voice of the Prophet, and don't call him, now listen closely, and don't call him the same way you call one another. So, you know, when they used to call each other, like I was giving an example. Hey, yo. Yo, yo Hussein. Nah, ya, Khalid, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean. Was, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. So like the way you call one another, like that's my boy. Yo, yo, Khalid. What's up? That's cool. But what they would do, some of them who didn't know like the Islamic manners and the understanding of everyone's not at the same level with you, nor you should treat them the same, they would call the Prophet them, Hey, Muhammad. Yo, Muhammad. We need to talk to you. And so the verse was revealed saying, No, no, no. Don't talk to him and yell at him the same way you yell at one another. SubhanAllah. Oh, uh, But one of the things we teach our children too is we say this, you don't talk to mama like that. Okay, you could talk to your sister like that. Even then, I might have to let you know you're in the wrong. But that's not how you talk to mom. That's not how you talk to granddad. That's not how you talk to a grandma. There's a different way you speak to different people. In fact, my mother taught me real quick. She'll be talking the way we talk in the house and the moment she answered the phone, she'd be like, hello, hi, how are you? And I'm like, yo, mom, what happened? She's like, we don't talk to everyone the same way, right? And so that SubhanAllah, the Rasul's said the verses is teaching us that, and there's another thing here about knowing people's level People need to know boundaries. So so, so here's the deal. And this is a sensitive topic. But like you ever had somebody crack a joke with you that ain't that close with you and you like, yo, I don't even know you like that. You know what I'm saying? Like they see somebody interact with you, right? And they they that person, they don't realize that's my girl. I know her from way back. That's my man. I know him back from Baltimore. I know him for so long. So they come up, they treat you the same way. They like, hey, yo, they call you whatever. You kind of like, whoa, hold on. Anzila to me also means no boundaries, no boundaries. My boundaries with you may not be the same way as her boundaries with you. And just because I see you interact with one person in one way, doesn't mean that that's my particular way. I can. I'll give you a clear example. Abu Bakr, radiAllahu an, Umar ibn Khattab, and the Prophet sallallahu. There are times when Umar ibn Khattab said things. That ain't no way nobody else could have said those to the prophet. So I said them. Sahi? So like if you look at the sira, there are examples where, if you look at one example, just a quick example, if you look at Hudaybiyah, the Battle of Hudaybiyah or the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was when we kind of left with like our our tail between our legs. We didn't have a victory, but it was like a it was a moment that was a big test for the believers. So when when we were leaving. Umar ibn Khattab was so like frustrated, you could say. He came up to the Prophet and he's like, Are we on the truth? Are you the you're the prophet, right? We're on the truth. And he's like, Yes, yes, yes. Didn't you say? And he said this, subhanallah. He said, Didn't you say, didn't you say we were going for Umrah? The Prophet's like, Yeah, but did I say this year? Now, now what my point was. The way that Abu ba, the way that Umar could talk to the Prophet, I'ma hit a, a touchier one, yo, about knowing boundaries. A father could say what I'm about to say to his daughter, okay? So preface, disclaimer. Okay. Umar ibn Khattab, Umar we know his personality, okay? He was very strong, but he came, he became very soft towards the end, like subhanAllah. He says, now his daughter Hafsa is married to who? The Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, right? So Umar ibn Khattab found out that the wives of the Prophet ﷺ often talk back at him, okay? Often talk back, like he says something, like whatever, you know, I ain't going to impersonate it, but you get my point, right? So they would talk back sometimes, you know, with whatever, I got a disclaimer, they would talk back to Rasul. So one day, now this is going to hit us wrong, but it's a father speaking to his daughter. Umar ibn Khattab, he comes to Hafsa's house. And he's like, um, you know, honey, I got to talk to you. Like, you talk back to the prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa And she's like, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: and she, he said something, it's going to rub you wrong, all right? I'm telling you. He said, don't be fooled, you ain't Aisha. Don't, you better be careful. I know, I, know I, told, I, gave you a, I gave you a disclaimer, I gave you a disclaimer, that was his daughter, he's like, yo, that's your husband, like, yo, do, yo, <laughs> and, and subhanAllah, it was kind of new, he had a special place in his heart for Khadijah, she was above everybody, and after that was Aisha, when he was passing away, he was literally like, can I please die in her lap, Allahu Akbar. So that's a whole nother halakha. The point here is for everyone to know their level and to know the level of people with you and no boundaries. So he says, Wala bil Don't go beyond people's boundaries. Know boundaries and respect those boundaries. And the thing I said before was just because this person is tight with someone doesn't mean that that's the boundary you could have with that person. So understand your own boundaries with people as well. It's a beautiful, beautiful advice. So he goes, the next advice, insha'Allah. وَلَا This is so important. Do not talk to people regarding knowledge of the deen or any type of knowledge. Let's keep it general. Do not talk to people regarding knowledge Do not talk in a level that their intellect is not ready to take. That they're not ready to take. So subhanAllah, I was listening to Mufti, Mufti Kamani's halqa last night, and he was talking about the virtues of knowledge. Talabul ala kulli muslim wa muslimah. Every person should seek knowledge. Everybody should learn. Everyone should know things. Like, they should learn the deen. That's everyone's responsibility. But this is an interesting thing. There's a hadith of Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where he said, uh, uh, Talk to people according to their level of understanding. Do you want them to deny Allah and the Rasul? Whoa, so what does that mean? Oh, if I get too much knowledge, I'm gonna leave Islam. So you gotta hide stuff from me? Mm-mm. You know, you know, one time we were moving when I was moving from Baltimore here, inshallah, like 20 years ago, right? When I was moving from Baltimore here, it's five years there, um, I was I had to load up the U-Haul. Load up the U-Haul. Now, one of my brothers, a friend of mine. That's what he does for a living. He has a company. Mashallah, he got like two, three trucks. They're doing great, Mashallah. Beautiful brother. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, Key, he's close to me. And Zilanas, know your level. So I was like, yo, I can kind of do this myself, right? Cause I got to pay your workers and stuff. He's like, nah. I was like, but it's just putting stuff in a truck. He's like, nah, it's not just putting stuff in a truck. You got to know how to put it. You got to know how to put it. And I'm like, oh. he's like, yo, I play tret- Tetris professionally. I play Tetris professionally, like that's my job to put stuff in a truck and make sure I think so here's the analogy. I want you to understand the analogy. The purpose is not that we want to leave stuff out of the truck. You know, when you move in, I would pick something up. He'd be like, no, no, put that down. Not yet. I'm like, OK, if it was me, I would have just threw it in there. He's like, not yet. Then he put two mattresses up. He's like, I right, Mikael, bring that uh, the glass table you had, the mirror, bring it here. Boom, he put it between us, like, oh, nice. <laughs> like that. Do you get the analogy yet? Here's the point: it's not about hiding knowledge from people, it's about knowing what to learn when to learn it. It's about it's and, and, and subhanAllah, that's what we have a teach. that's what we have teachers for. So, like the teacher is the one that organizes. I'll tell you something. I was a student, right? And uh, there's this book by Imam Ghazali called al Madin, okay? It's a well-known book. And I'm like three years Muslim, fresh, wet behind the ears, you know what I mean? Iman through the roof, feeling like, yo, I could pray to Hajj all night. So I said to my teacher, I was like, Sheikh, can I, can I read al Madin? I'm all hyped. I'm thinking, he's like, dang, you know al Madin? How do you even know what that book is? Wow, you're progressing. He was like, "No."
0: <laughs>
1: no. I was like, "Wow, subhanallah." Okay, I just be humble, quiet, whatever. 2-3 weeks later, I was like, I was like, "Sheikh, can I read it?" Yeah. I promise I won't do I'm a I am will not act on anything I read. Oh, I, no, no. I said, "I promise I won't do I'm on anything I don't understand." He said, I'm worried you'll try to do, um, i what you think you understand. I'm worried you're going to try to act on what you think you understand. So no, not yet. I couldn't help it. I'm eager, convert, got to learn everything. I want it all right now. I asked him again. He said, okay, you know what? You want to read this book? Read the book. But you cannot do anything you read in the book. You just read it for fun. You can't do anything in the book. Why? What was the purpose behind that? Many of you are professionals in fields. You know things like the problem nowadays is there's so much access to information, but that doesn't necessitate understanding. And sometimes you read a blog, you read a post, you read something, and you weren't actually ready for that. It's not that we don't want to hide, but you're not, that's not where you're at yet. You needed something before that. In order for you to properly understand that knowledge, and so that's what we're saying here. He's saying, don't talk to people. Do not bring up issues and knowledge, the depths of Islamic studies and knowledge, where people aren't ready for that. And I think the main thing. I asked my dad. My dad one day, right? Because you know he hasn't converted yet. Make dua for him, inshallah. yeah, make dua for him. So, so, you know, I was learning Arabic. I was learning the Quran. And um, he asked me a good question. She's good, she's good. She, unless they distracted, I'm good. <laughs> she, she, he asked me a question. I'm reading Arabic, I'm reading Quran in Arabic. And he said to me, and I, I think this will hit us a little, this is interesting. Um, it, it may be a little distracting. Sorry. <laughs> No, she's good though. Good. I'm trying to be all nice and stuff, but okay. No, she's cool though. You cool, chill, it's all good. Okay. Um, so he said to me, he said to me, how many people in, the, in your mustards understand the Imam? And I was like, I was new. I was like, I don't know, maybe like 30%, 40. So he said to me, he's like, how is that different than the Latin uh, mass of Catholics? And it hit me for a while. And I didn't have an answer. I was a new Muslim. I'm like, oh no, right? Later, as I grew in knowledge, I found the difference. The difference is knowledge is hidden over there. You weren't encouraged. The laity weren't encouraged to learn. This is restricted for these people. I'll tell you what the deen is. You don't learn it. In Islam, it's the exact opposite. Talibul ilm faridah. Everyone's like, yo, come to this halaqah Yo, we want to teach you Arabic Yo, I want to teach you how to read Quran Yo, I want to teach you this tafsir Yo, I want to teach you this, 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 this Like everyone's calling you to learn and increase that knowledge Where in Catholicism, I'm just using it because I came from there The difference was it was like, no, this is for them, this is for you This is for them So Islam isn't about hiding knowledge It's about there being a system for you to learn And do it in the right order I'm going to give an example and we'll move on. Some of you are professionals in field, be it, be it like whatever it may be. You know that at the higher level, at the like, you know, at the post-grad level, there's stuff that you learn in that field that someone can Google and maybe read, but they don't have the prereqs. They don't have the prereqs. So they get the knowledge, but you're like, you just got a bit. You don't get the whole context to that. So similarly, similarly, what we need to understand is we live in a city and I'm going to make this like very clear. We live in a city of scholars, yo. People around America be like, Dallas is amazing. Amazing. And I've used this analogy before so that we can know that it's a real thing. The darkest place under the, the darkest place in the room is right under the candle. I'm going to say it again. The darkest place in the room, if there's a candle on this table, Where is it darkest? The whole room is lit. Right up under that joint. Right up under. So what does that mean? Like sometimes it's the sons and daughters of scholars that don't get no knowledge. Because the scholars schooling everybody. He gets home, he's tired. And and the kids don't get knowledge. So the point I'm trying to highlight is you live in a, we live in a blessed place. You go up the road, you got Sheikh Yasser. You go up that way, you got another Sheikh Yasser. You go that way, you got... (laughs) You know what I mean? It's easy knowledge, mashallah. Easy knowledge, right? And so I think it's just a good reminder for everybody that if you live in Dallas, and I mean the whole metro, but you ain't got no excuse to not learn. You should learn just a little. And this is what we're here for, mashallah. It's what we're here for. But just I want to make that reminder because people tuning in from all over listening. You know what I mean? You got Ustad up the street, man, Mashallah. MashaAllah, we have great community. So, always benefit and just be eager to learn the knowledge and don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Okay, let's keep going. So, and by the way, I want to bring something else up. I normally don't do this, but I'm going to bring this up. You know how lately it's been a push to teach children things they're not, we would deem not appropriate for children? I have to code it because we got children in the room. So, I need y'all to be smart. You know, lately has been a push to teach like gender relations and different types of families and stuff like that and what you're attracted to and all this. I'm going to drop something real here. Okay. Young men, men in the room. Ah, wow, so hard, man. We got children in here. Do you remember back in the day when women had cooties, man? Remember cooties? <laughs> you remember when you were young and you were like, I don't know what age. I can't remember. But you were kind of, ew, right? No? Y'all acting all funny, man. <laughs> hold up, sisters, hold up. You know what I'm talking about? There was a point when you were young, there was no interest, right? What's interesting I find now is they're presenting the concepts of attraction to different genders before even the, sometimes the desire even comes up in a person's mind. I, I hope that I said enough for us to understand the danger. I was like nine years old. I'm like, what's a woman? I don't care what a woman. But now you put something in my head, which is kind of like, oh, maybe you're, and I'm like, maybe I am. And now I need to make a decision. I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready. I think I said enough. I can't go any deeper. My own children up in this joint. So (laughs) I'm a long car ride home. (laughs) So does everyone get my point? So it's not that we don't want anyone to know about this, people will grow up and know things. It's about is it time yet? Is it time? It's not time. Don't put that in my my children's ears because it's it's just not ready. Oh, you want to hide stuff? You want to put them in a box? No. It's just not time. It's just not time. So subhanAllah, do not speak to people with knowledge that their intellect cannot handle. That's what he says in the book. And that's literally what they're doing in some places to our children. And so that's enough I'm going to say about that. I think it's really important to understand certain discussions need to be have later. And the other thing that's deep is as a family, you may know that this son is ready, but that son ain't. So it's, there's, that's something that the family needs to understand. And that's where uh, we, we should have such a, a good connection with it, Our family to understand each other. And when people are ready for that. I remember when my mother came over and she said the birds and the bees, she's like, son, I need to talk to you. Y'all remember that? Okay, we're gonna move on now. Okay. <laughs> I just act like I ain't know nothing. I was like, I what's talking about? What's talking about? <laughs> SubhanAllah. Okay. Everyone understand this point. We speak to people at a level that is appropriate for their knowledge, not because we're hiding anything, but because we wanna build up so that we're able to take everything that we get. Inshallah, I hope that makes sense. Let's go to the next one. The next advice is beautiful advice. Some of us, not everyone in this room, we have a problem. Whenever something is going on, we want to be involved in all of it. We want to have our say, be involved in everything. If there's something going on, the neighbors is over there arguing, you out there like cutting the bushes, like you know. What's going on? I think Robert having issues over there. Now some of us, we're just nosy, but some of us will walk over there. What y'all arguing about? Is everything, how can I help? You can help by going back home. <laughs> this ain't got nothing to do with you. So what does he say? This ain't my words. He says, Do not involve yourself in stuff that you haven't been asked or called to be involved in. Oh my goodness, such beautiful advice. Let me repeat it. Do not involve yourself in things that you have not been asked, called to be involved in. Such a beautiful advice. I'm going to share one hadith. The Prophet ﷺ said, من Islam al mar'i A beautiful, a beautiful, a beautiful aspect of your Islam is that you stop worrying about things that don't concern you. It don't have to do with me. Keep moving. Keep moving, it's beautiful So subhanAllah, I'm going to share something from Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey This is really, like, this changed My perspective, Seven Habits Y'all know that book? Raise your hand If you know the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People Raise your hand if you read it (laughs) Good Okay, yo, it's, it's Seven Habits Of Highly Effective Muslims, buy it, trust me Buy it, trust me, it's beautiful So one of his habits That he says you should develop Develop is this, this is deep he says, imagine two circles, okay? Venn diagram here, picture it, okay? You have a small circle here and a bigger circle outside. The small circle, he calls the circle of influence. These are things that you have a, a direct impact on. For me, let me say, uh, my, fa- my family relationship with my daughter, my son, my wife, uh, my relationship with my students, um, how well I teach, how well I prep for a class. Um, I don't know, things, my mother. These are things that I have a direct my, my running time. There we go. Uh, things I have a direct influence on. I haven't done it in a long time, okay? Things that I have a direct influence on. You with me? But then he says there's a bigger circle. These are things that I'm concerned about, but I can't influence. I'm concerned about global warming. And I can influence that. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, there's a bunch of things, okay? That I'm concerned about them, but I can't really do much about them. Now, this is the beauty, and I'll move on. He says... The more time you spend in the circle of influence, the bigger the circle gets. And the more time you spend in the things that you can't control, the smaller your influence gets. Beautiful. That's so why I said seven habits of highly effective Muslims. And the Prophet literally said, "Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam." Min husni Islam, in mar'i tarkuhu malayani. A beautiful aspect of your religion is you learn how to pretty much mind your business. What directly results affects me, I'm involved in that. If it doesn't, unless you call me to it, then I'm gonna keep it moving. If you need me, I'm here. But if you don't ask me, I'm gonna keep focusing on what benefits me because life is short. So what does he say? Do not get involved in things you haven't been called to get involved in. (laughs) You know, like I'm gonna share a personal joint, right? So, so uh Share too much. Well, I tell we do. don't share all your secrets with people, but it's okay. I love y'all. So, you know, we're building this new campus at Kalam, dua. inshallah. It'll be done soon, inshallah. So, like, you know, they 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 having these design meetings, right? Right? They designing stuff, like color carpet, yo. What's what like you know, the marble, what should it look like? Ain't nobody call me, yo. <laughs> right? Ain't nobody call me. And I'm, th- I'm like, man, ain't nobody call me. I want to say what color the carpet is too. <laughs> You know what I mean? So I started, I started. I didn't read this yet, so okay. So I started going to the meetings, like, yo, what y'all talking about? <laughs> and they're like, yo, this, like, they, they literally, they're like, yo, come, which one, which one do you like, Mikael? I was like, I like that one. <laughs> thank you, thank you, I like that one. After a while, I realized I'm not good at design. <laughs> like, they would draw up my idea, and I'm like, ooh, that's ugly. <laughs> Don't get involved in stuff people don't call you for Don't feel like you need to be involved in everything You know, you could You realize, <laughs> SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah So, alhamdulillah Make dua, it's almost done Inshallah, Make dua, make dua So do not get involved in things That you're not called to get involved in Okay, SubhanAllah And the crazy part is We get involved in things that SubhanAllah like I always say, you know how we like to study and read and not read other stuff, but not study for the exam that we actually have? For real, right? SubhanAllah, there are people around you that are calling you. There are people around you that are like, hey dad, I'm here, can you help me? And here I am trying to get involved in things that people ain't called. They're like, why are you here? So the opportunity costs, like I'm giving up the people who actually want me to be involved in things that people are like, yeah, we didn't really need your help here. But we're happy you're here. JazakAllah khair. That's a that color doesn't match though. You know what I mean? <laughs> Subhanallah. So if people call you, they need your help, then get involved. If they don't need you, alhamdulillah, keep it, keep it moving. And don't take it, doesn't mean anything. Okay, next advice. Beautiful advice. Okay. He says, and give reverence, excuse me, give reverence to the gatherings, majalis. The word jalasa in Arabic it means what? Jalasa, sit. Majalis is when we sit together, majalis, so gatherings. So the advice is "wakir." The word means to give a, a reverence to something. Like it, you you like hold it in awe. So this is what he's trying to say. He, he's telling us that when you come to knowledge gatherings, hold them in esteem. Okay, I'm gonna give some. I'm yo, you. I have Christianity as a background, so I'm gonna use an example. You ever heard of Sunday best? Sunday best. What's Sunday best, Ariel? What's Sunday best? You looking fresh, yo? Christians, man, when we were Christian Sunday, man, right here, like you get spliffed out, like you look good. That's not slang, Saba. I'm talking to my wife, she'd be talking about my slang. Okay, you look. Can I get another word? Drip, they still use drip fly fresh Fresh. there we go y'all be rotating the words that's how it's hard for me to keep up man fly was in the 90s and 80s so it's back now cool you sunday we used to look so good man sunday we used to get ready for church we would go got those those shoes on you don't wear nowhere else i got you i'm getting there sister i got you 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 wearing gear you only wear the moment you get home your mama's like take those shoes off right now Mm -hmm. right now, sister said, we have Jummah. Now, if you look at the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever takes a ghusl on yawm al jummah whoever puts on it on yawm al jummah whoever puts their best gear on on yawm al this is all what you're supposed to do. I want you to understand a big point here. The amount of prep you put towards something shows how much you value that thing. The amount of prep, yo, I can't give a sports example. So many things. The amount that you you value that moment, you prep, you get ready. You like, man. And so I'm going to say this. The prep is part of the ibadah though. If you just stroll into Jummah rocking anything, don't expect to get the same thing out of it. Does that make sense? Oh, subhanAllah. It's so deep. So, but when you, before Jummah, you like, let me take a ghusl for Jummah. You know, you put your itter on. You put your best gear on, whatever is best to you. I don't mean a thobs was best to you. What, you, what you would stand in front of respectable people with. And you go and, and you got ready for it. You got ready for it. It's just, subhanAllah, so many things. If you go out with wifey and you just come wearing anything, she's like, yo. But if you come, you like you did something. She's like, okay. Okay, you, you value this moment. So please, please understand this point. When you come to knowledge. Gatherings of knowledge, Imam Ahmad, Imam Malik is known for buying the best itter. Imam Malik says, Sisters, yo, brothers, hear this out. Imam Malik, so israf is when you waste money, israf is to waste money. Imam Malik says, There's no israf in itza perfume. I don't care how much it costs, you could buy it. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Don't matter how much it costs. So Israf, Israf is I buy a car, I can't afford it. Right, that's Israf, you're wasting money. You could have bought a whatever and you bought that. Right, and everyone's levels are different. We can't, it's no standard. He says when it comes to Itar, Itar, perfume, there's no Israf. There's no Israf. Why? He says because it's actually Sadaqah. Because you put it on, you stop smelling it after five minutes, but everyone else keeps smelling it. You're not even doing it for you, you're doing it for other people. My point is he would put on the best Itar for his darfs. His dust, the best itter. Like, I'm not going to teach this hadith. I'm not going to talk about this stuff unless I'm wearing my best. I got my everything on, subhanAllah. And so what he's saying here is something that I think we need to bring back, which is take out time. And obviously you coming from work, Jummah is a little different. Sunday they got off already. Cool, whatever. Cool. But still, you should keep this in mind, which is the amount of prep you put towards it it impacts what you'll get out of it. So if you just stroll up, but if you've been looking forward to the halakah, you're like, yo, it's going to be lit. Let me get my pen ready. Let me get my pad ready. Okay, cool. Here we go. SubhanAllah, you go and your heart is open. So subhanAllah, it's a beautiful advice. He says, But then he says something else. He says, qadr al hukama," And know the value of your teachers. So listen, the It's the position that you're honoring, not the person. It's the position. It's the position. Listen to this. Knowing the value of your teachers. Imam Ghazali says something crazy. Y'all ready? When I say it's crazy, y'all gonna know it's crazy, right? Imam Ghazali says this, and I'm gonna read what he says. He says, the right of your teacher is higher than the right of your own parents. Hold up. Don't judge it yet. He says, because the mu'allam... No, let's start with the father. He says, the father and your mother, they're the cause for your worldly life. That will end. So you got to honor them. But that teacher of deen, that's the source for your Akhirah life. Wallah, man, my teachers... I love my father, man. I love my father. I love my father. But my teachers, man, the knowledge they dropped on me for Akhirah, to know the Prophet, to, to know Quran, to know the Sunnah. That right. So it's not about lowering the, the parents. It's about raising the teacher. Imam Abu Hanifa, his son says, Every day my dad would make dua. I would hear him make dua for his dad and some man named Hamad. Every day my dad's like, Ya Allah Abi wa Hamad every day. So one day he's like, he's like, Dad, who is this Abu Hanifa? He's like, Who is this Hamad? He's like, He's like, That's my teacher. Every day he's making dua for him. Every day, because that position, that knowledge, and subhanAllah, listen. He says, "Wa if Qadr, know the value, man. Alhamdulillah, my sister, she's a pediatrician, okay? And we have three, three kids. Do you know how much I value that woman? Do you know how well I sleep at night knowing I can call my sister, and Be like, yo, they got a fever. It's always the same answer, by the way. But anyway, it's cool. Water, rest, ibuprofen. <laughs> but anyway, she, But the, how do I sleep well at night? I sleep well at night because I know that I could just call her And she's going to drop knowledge on me. She's going to be like, yo, I got you. So it's about knowing the value of the people you have around you of knowledge. I'm going to share one more story and we go to the next thing. Um, uh, Imam Muhammad, he was the student of Abu Hanifa. His students saw him. He's studying. He's studying. He's studying. He's staying up all night, studying, studying, studying. And so his students are like, imam. Why are you studying so much? Like you have knowledge. You should sleep. And he said something so beautiful. He said, no, you don't get it. The people of the city are sleeping well at night because they know they can come to me when they have an issue. If I sleep, I won't be able to fulfill that right of theirs. So all I'm trying to highlight is really know the value of the teachers of goodness that you have around you and don't take that for granted. Allahu Akbar. Next advice. We'll wrap it up soon. Just a few more advices, inshallah. Yes. The next advice. He says, never ever stop repaying the goods that people have done to you. This is based on a hadith. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, in a sound narration, مَنْ مَعْرُوفًا Whoever does good to you, pay them back. Pay them back. What if I can't? <muttering> make dua for this person. Rasul him, <inaudible> he says, but if you can't pay him back, like, yo, I don't got pockets that deep. How am I going to do it? The Prophet "Some said, no, just make dua. Make dua. Make dua. Make dua for that person. Let me tell you how real this is. The hadith tell us when the Prophet was passing away, the Prophet him, <inaudible> he literally said, I have paid back every single person from this community that's done good to me. I paid y'all back. Why? Because he, he doesn't wanna go in the qiyama where anyone's like has the upper hand. So he, I gotta pay everybody back. Now, before I finish the hadith, I think there's a beauty to the hadith. Once you start thinking this way, you start to look for people who have done good to you and recognize the good they've done. Do you, like if I said to you guys, before tonight is over, start paying back People who have done good to you The thing you have to do first is start going through your brain And thinking who's done good to you And you start looking back, oh this person helped me out Yo this is my coach right here, he helped me with this This person helped me with this, this person And now you start to pay them back Go back to the hadith The Rasul Sallallahu he said uh, He said, I've paid back everybody But there's one person I haven't paid back And I can't pay him back I'm only making dua that Allah pays him Who was it? Abu Bakr. He's like, I can't pay you back. That's the one person that will suicide. I'm like, I left this world. There's one person I can't pay back. And that's Abu Bakr. So my point is, I need all of you, all of us, to start looking around, especially Ramadan coming. Looking around at people who have done any good to you. And start looking how can I pay back? What can I do back? And if I can't, if I can't, then dua, dua, dua. And that's not even a small thing. That's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. Yeah, for sure. Exactly, exactly. Allahu Akbar. Okay, um, let's just do one more. Let's just do one more inshallah. Because I think this is a big one. He says this. It's beautiful. <laughs> we'll finish after this one. He's like, never be jealous of anyone over a blessing that they have. I need us all to understand something deeply. If someone has a blessing and you feel jealousy inside of yourself, you have to remind yourself, I'm angry with God. Wait, what do you mean I'm angry with God? Who gave the blessing? Who gave the blessing? So my my anger, my jealousy, seeing the blessing upon you is actually angry with God, how he distributed stuff. And it's also a part of me not realizing that if God gave you, he could give me too. He didn't run out of risk. He ain't give you all the, all the stuff it's, it's, There's more there So he says do not be jealous over anyone For a blessing that they've been given And next thing he says Big issue And I said last week we'll talk about this Never ever backbite another person Never ever backbite another person Let's talk about this real quick There are eight causes of backbiting I want you to write down or memorize Eight reasons why people backbite Listen to this. Number one, getting rid of anger. I'm just hot. So I'm gonna, I'm just going to backbite hate them. I'm just going to talk about them because I'm angry. Number one. Number two, to fit in with friends. Oh, they're going to think I'm cool. They're going to think I'm good. If I don't backbite, then, oh, man, I'm not going to be in the click. So backbite. Next one. You did something. <sighs> you did something. But to absolve yourself of it, you start talking about other people Doing that thing. So to take the heat off you, you'd be like, yeah, but Khalid be doing this, man. Everybody's like, oh, Khalid be? And now I'm like, woo, they ain't looking at me no more. Yeah, Khalid, Khalid, Khalid. Khalid's a good man, my shoulder. Number four. Why do you backbite? To make yourself look better. I need to up my street cred. I need to look better in front of everyone. Yeah, he's smart, but you know, like that. Number five, jealousy. Pure hasid. I'm just jealous. I'm just jealous. Number six, to make people laugh. I'm not even angry, whatever. I just, I'm I'm a funny dude. I got to crack a joke. So let me, at the expense of this person. And then number seven, someone is going to accuse you of something. So, okay, this person about to accuse me of something. So what do I got to do? I got to take away the credibility of this person. Imam Ghazali says that's the next reason why you backbite. Take away credibility because you know something's coming your way. So now I got to take this credibility away. And the last one he says is just to make fun of people. You, just, just, you have anger, evil, evilness in your heart and you just make fun of people. Just to make them belittle them, make them feel small. What's the cure? What's the cure? The cure for backbiting starts with knowledge of the outcome of it. And the Prophet said on the day of judgment, a person will come with mountains of good deeds and then people will line up who they have backbitten And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say Start giving some of your deeds to this person No, to that person, take some deeds that you want from them We don't have a lot of deeds, y'all But I definitely ain't got deeds to give away Definitely don't got deeds to give away And then he says that the cure, another cure Is to focus on your own faults I want to say something else Imam Noah, he has a book called Afkar in this book, he specifically talks about situations where it is permissible to backbite. Can I tell you a funny one? So, so uh, Abu Sufyan, his wife, uh, subhanAllah, I forget her name. She 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 comes to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this hadith is in uh, Abu Dawud. She comes to the Prophet and she says, Ya Rasulullah, Abu Sufyan Rajulun Sah. Shahihun. Abu Sufyan is a very stingy man. He doesn't give me my haq. Can I take it from him when he's not home? You get it? You get the story, right? So she's telling the Prophet him that this is a stingy man. That's riba. That's riba. No. In the case. Now, this is where the nafs gets involved, though, y'all. Because right away, right now, we're like, yo, anytime I talk about someone who's not present, that's riba. So we stay away from it. But uh, then when I start telling you ways out, then you feel me. So number one is dhulm. If there's a a situation of oppression and you're talking to a person that can stop the oppression, you're allowed to talk to that person. Number two, istifta. You're trying to get a fatwa. You're trying to get a ruling. Just like this lady was with her husband. Hind. It was Hind, right? Hind. She's trying to get a fatwa. She, She tells the reality so she can get that. The next one is where I need everyone to be very careful. You tell someone who has the ability to actually change that thing. This is where we start getting loose. Because we'll think, oh, I'm telling this person, yo, hopefully you could do something. You know this dude ain't going to do nothing. You know he's not going to do something. But you put that little at the end just to make it halal. Uh uh-uh, uh. Be careful of this. Be careful of this. The surah that talks about ghiba is surah hujrat. There's another really important thing talked, spoken about, and I'm going to end with this. The Prophet says this. That the the Quran verse says, ya amanu, and, nah? and bijahala, ala It's an important, important, important part of Islamic society, right before Ghiba, The Prophet is taught this lesson in the Quran. Whenever some news comes to you, verify before you start spreading stuff. This is so important in the time we live in. The Prophet is being told because we just get information just coming from anywhere. And I'm liking stuff, I'm sharing stuff. SubhanAllah, you haven't checked on that. You haven't done research, nor do you even have the bandwidth to. You don't even want to. But here you are spreading, sharing this and that. Uh uh. The Quran tells us no, if news comes to you from a source that you don't know, uh uh-uh. uh, do not act on that knowledge. Do not share that knowledge. You can cause so much fitna. You can cause so much problems because you just like to share without verifying stuff. It's this is extremely important thing. And he brings the next point. I'm going to stop here. I promise you. He says, close the door to having an ill. Assumption about people المسألة, By being afraid that God will question you And open the door of husnuddan thinking good of people By making excuses for them I'm going to end with this Here's the advice People do things People do things Learn how to make excuses for them Not if they wrong you They wrong you yo, yo, You owe me money You owe me money I'm not going to just make husnuddan there are certain things where you're going to go to someone and get that thing. But generally speaking, I see something that I'm like, yo, and it doesn't harm another person specifically. Husnadun, weed, 70 excuses. That's where that comes in. Have, have a good assumption. And when news comes to us, we have become so um, lenient with this. We just spread stuff without verifying and not knowing. And the Quran is literally like, you will destroy your community. If you just spread stuff without knowing the reality of those things And how many families are torn apart Because people spread stuff in the family without having confirmed So this is a beautiful advice that we're going to end with He says Do not backbite another person And close the door to having bad opinions about people How do you do that? By opening the door to making excuses for people So may Allah make us of people who um, we verify what we hear, we respect the gatherings of knowledge. May Allah make us of people who love to learn and increase our knowledge, have good opinions of people. May Allah make us of those who don't backbite, clean our hearts from whatever it is that is in our hearts, causing us to backbite other people. May Allah give us the reality and realize that it is harmful to us and allow us to stop. We ask Allah to allow us to reach the blessed month of Ramadan. We ask Allah to allow us to benefit from the blessed month of Ramadan. wa rabbika rabbil izzati على المرسلين وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Allah الله الله accept. as alaykum.